So in his own way and time, he's coming under the anointing of the Holy Ghost to minister us the word of the Lord and direct this service from this point as God himself would see fit. Could you give him a great big harvest welcome? Reverend Mike and Jamil Mills. Amen. 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 Somebody say amen unto the Lord today. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. You know, Pastor Terry, in that auditorium there that night, uh, just looking out at those celebrities, were people there that would line up for hours just to get a glimpse at Blake, just to get a glimpse at... at uh, Jennifer Hudson, and the, but when Brooke sang that song, I saw from a, a hit television show, Hear Me Church, and it turned into church. Amen. See, God has a way of putting light, help me somebody, God has a way of putting light in the dark places. Amen. Amen. I even saw old Blake Shelton wiping his eyes. I believe seeds were planted that night. I don't know what he has in that, that cup up there, but I know tears streamed down his face that night. And only God can bring the harvest. Can you say amen? Everybody give the Lord a hand of praise, would you? He is our God. If you have your Bibles and would like to read along with me, would you turn with us over to the New Testament, Gospel of Matthew, chapter 27, Beginning at verse 29, in just a moment we'll stand to honor the reading of the Word of God. While you're still turning to Matthew 27 and verse 29, let me mention, after the service, out in the foyer, uh, the Mills family, Jamil and I, this year of 2019 marks 30 years that we've been in full-time evangelistic ministry, singing, preaching, carrying the gospel across the country. That's not even counting the time when we both traveled and sang uh, with uh, Quentin Mills and Deliverance. But we've got, I won't take time to go into it, but we've got several CDs, uh, one that features the entire family. The whole tribe is on there. Uh, Jamil and myself, our younger two, Mikey and Leah, are doing a song. And uh, we sent it to Brooke and her husband. They did a song. In fact, they did this very song on TBN. So we have the entire family. So come by and visit with us. One last thing let me mention. Uh, we've got Christian Message t-shirts. And uh, Pastor Terry, this one has a, a Native American design on there and simply says the word brave. And it gives reference to the scripture Deuteronomy 31 and 8 which tells us to be strong in the Lord, to be brave, to be diligent, because our adversary, we, we have to watch out for the wiles of the devil. Can someone say amen? If you're physically able to stand, may we all stand to honor the reading of the Word of God. If you found Matthew 27 and 29, say, I've got it. Verse 29, it reads, and when they had platted a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand and bowed the knee 
before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after that they had mocked him, they took the reed off from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. Notice how many times, especially in the King James, notice how many times they're saying that word him. There's absolutely no doubt who the condemned person is. Never once did it say me or I, but it's him. Even today, Pastor, it still should be all about him. Let's read on further in verse 32. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. One last verse. And when they were coming to a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of a skull. And we're going to pause right there. A very familiar passage of Scripture. Him they condemned. Him they scourged. They whipped. They beat. Uh, They mandated Simon of Cyrene to carry the cross of Jesus. Uh, But Simon carried the cross, but yet Jesus bore the stripes. May we bow our heads and go to our Lord in a word of prayer. And I ask as we pray, I want you to get your minds off of all the wonderful meal we're going to celebrate on this homecoming celebration. Right now, let's feed the spirit man. Amen. Amen. As you're being seated, turn around and shake somebody's hand and tell them, you sure look good in God's house today. Do that for me. Tell them. They might need an encouraging word. You look good in God's house today. Again, I want to give honor to whom honor is due to Pastor Terry and, and Sister Linda. I could, I could think of a lot of words to, to describe this, this couple, this powerful couple of ministry. One word that comes to mind is faithful. Faithful. Uh, another word that comes to mind is not only is he honoring the men and women of the past that's been monumental uh, in the ongoing of this church from its early days, but God has also given him a vision for the future. I want to encourage you, Harvest Church, pray for your pastor. Lift him up. I, I was blessed by the music, the talent, the, the drama. That drama team is second to none. Amen. They blessed my heart. And, and then I, I looked up here and I, I saw all the talented musicians. Uh, folks, we, we need to be thankful. Uh, God has blessed you all here at Harvest with talented singers and musicians. Let's give them a hand of appreciation. Amen. Now, as I've read this verse out of Matthew's Gospel 27, chapter 27, no doubt... And it's several years old now, but no doubt most of you, if not all of you, have uh, seen or at least heard of the the film, the movie uh, called The Passion of the Christ. And how vivid it was in portraying uh, the crucifixion and uh, Christ's suffering. I've never 
been affected by a, a, a movie quite like I was at that. Uh, I, I'm not one that usually cries, uh, but uh, not only did I cry during the film, but even after it was over when Jamil and I went back to the car, uh, I, I sat in the car and I cried. I couldn't help it. it it's something about seeing it vividly portrayed, uh, uh, how real it was, how the um, burly Roman soldier, how he whipped our Lord, how they plucked him, they spit upon him. But you know what, folks? When they got the angle just right, the lighting just right, and, and they recorded it on film, the director, Mel Gibson, said, cut. And the actor that portrayed Jesus, Jim Caviezel, I believe it is, uh, somebody helped him down from the cross. But can I tell you, 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ of Nazareth was nailed to a tree, nobody said cut. Nobody offered a word on his defense. Now hear me, church. Don't make me pull this wagon up the hill by myself. And when I get on top, you want to coast down the other side with me. I need somebody to help me pull this thing. Nobody declared cut. In fact, uh, he uttered very few words until finally he said, It is finished. What a wonderful testimony. I await the day when I kneel before the Lord God Almighty and I can say, it is finished. And my heart's desire is that he would say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I can say it is finished. I've been discouraged at times. I've felt like giving up at times. But he can say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I would rather that he says, well done, uh, brother Arbus, rather than him saying, well. I don't want him to say that to me. Well, you could have done more. Well, you could have been faithful to the church. Well, you shouldn't have talked about the preacher so much. Well, you shouldn't have gossiped so much. Well, I want him to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But in studying the cross and crucifixion, I've noticed that there are many side notes. There are many, as I like to call, uh, parenthetical moments or, or moments in parentheses. In other words, if, if you don't take a close look at it, you, you'll miss it. And here is one of these side notes or, or one of these parentheses moments that really stood out to me. As I'd ask you to pay close attention to verse 32, and as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. Now, hear this. The Bible refers to a man by the name of uh, Simon of Cyrene, and uh, uh, Bible history teaches us that Serene is located uh, in the geographical time in the text of our study uh, in North Africa. And he is, and his family came to Jerusalem because of the Passover. And it's indicated to us that uh, perhaps this is not his first time. He's done this many, many, many times. It's also implied to us that Simon of Serene is perhaps a man of means. Uh, a, a man that has servants. He says, go and they go. Can you imagine this? Simon of Serene preparing to go 
from Shering to Jerusalem in the days of traveling, uh, the caravan of animals carrying the supplies, and, and he's hoping to get to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, and he's done this many, many, many times. But as he gets into Jerusalem, he sees a a disturbance going on because, see, meanwhile over here, the Roman soldiers has captured what they consider a criminal worthy of death. They have three malefactors, but one, they are particularly inept to try to make him a public example. They've already whipped him. They've already flogged him. They've already plucked his beard. And he's been passed back and forth to the Sanhedrin court to Pontius Pilate. Earlier that same night in the Garden of Gethsemane, when all of his closest of friends, when they forsaken him because of fear and he prayed uh, until his sweat became as great drops of blood. Do you realize there's a medical term that describes that? Where you're under so much mental stress, so much mental anguish that your sweat, uh, your epidermic layer begins to secrete perspiration. It's called hematidrosis. You can get so stressed out then instead of sweat running down your face, blood begins to uh, uh, excrete from your skin. And Jesus was under this tremendous stress, whipped, beaten. And now they're parading him through the streets of Jerusalem. Simon of Serene, I can imagine he's trying to get to the temple. Meanwhile, as God would providentially have it, their paths would cross. I would imagine Simon is trying to say, I need to get to the temple before I cross that path of the soldiers with that condemned criminal. And when they get there, when they get there, that Roman soldier, he notices that Jesus keeps falling under the weight of the cross. He's a centurion. He's not about to pick up that now sweaty, bloody cross and carry it the rest of the way up to Golgotha. So he begins to survey the crowd, look out over the crowd. I wonder, does God do that? I wonder, does God look among his children and say, I need someone that can handle this task? Not everybody's not going to want to do it because you may not be under the spotlight. Everybody may not be saying good things about you, but I need somebody that can do the task. I wish somebody would help me. If you ever gone through a real-time uh, difficult situation and you knew the hand of God had laid his hand on you. And now that centurion, Brother Arbus, if you would help me out for just a moment, he reaches through and he grabs Simon of Cyrene. So instead of Arbus Lockbeer, you're Simon of Serene. And they take the cross off of Jesus because he keeps falling. And they place it on the back of Simon 
of Cyrene. I would imagine Simon is very nervous right about now because he knows what's going to happen when they get up to Golgotha. He knows that somebody's going to get nailed. He wants to make sure they absolutely know it's not me. It's not me. You know how you do when you shout on church on Sunday, but you get to work on Monday and you start saying, it's not me. Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. But see, he carries that cross. And he goes up here and Simon is worried, what am I going to do? Let me say this, church. This is the crux of what I want to leave with you. 24 hours ago, Simon of Serene had no idea that he would now be carrying the cross of Jesus of Nazareth. He didn't know it. He didn't know what he'd be going through today. I believe there are people here with us today that 24 hours ago, a week ago, you didn't know you'd be facing situations that you're dealing with today. Let it sink in. Let it sink in because, see, God directed your steps to be here to hear this word. And Simon didn't know it was just like any other day, like you and I get up going to church any other Sunday. But God has already gone on before us and said, today is the day. I'm going to do something miraculous in your life. Today is the day. I've heard your fervent prayers. You might say that Simon of Serene, walk with me, Brother Arvis. Simon of Serene had an unexpected cross. Amen. Amen. Give him a hand. Thank you, my brother. Can I tell you, Harvest Church, life is full of unexpected crosses. Life is full of unexpected crosses. You're sitting among people today beside you, behind you, in front of you that are dealing with unexpected crosses. Just because they're dressed nice, just because they've got their hair fixed nice, just because they're looking stylish, that doesn't mean they're not going through the time of their life. Dealing with unexpected crosses. It would amaze you to know that somebody just 24 hours ago, they had no clue of what they're dealing with today. But I've learned some lessons about unexpected crosses. We as church folks, sometimes we think we're immune to it. Amen. We, we, We think it's always somebody else. But I learned that troubles and trials and hardships also visit men and women of faith as well. Somebody say amen. Oh me, oh my. My grandfather used to say it's for the saints and the ain'ts. Unexpected cross. My mind goes back to years, years ago. Jamil and I were beginning revival in Bunn, North Carolina. We had sang a bit, and right as I was preaching, I noticed a young woman to my left. She's weeping and crying almost uncontrollably. And I know the way she's going, it's not because the message is blessing her so good. 
And then I, I look sitting next to her, and there's an elderly man with his arm wrapped around her trying to comfort her. And, and, and you know how we do. I'm trying to figure out what's going on. We're good like that, Pastor. We think we can figure out everybody else's problem. So I see this elderly man, and I don't see an elderly woman with him. I said, well, maybe that's her grandfather. Maybe she just recently lost her grandmother, and she's upset about it. You know, we can fix everybody else's problem, except when it visits our home, except when it affects our kids. Except when it affects our finances. Help me, somebody. I'm trying to go on into the message. I don't get 10 minutes into the message before that same young woman stands up. And she starts marching toward the front. What begins as a quick walk, she runs to the altar and collapses on her knees and just heaving and sobbing and crying. And within seconds... All of the young people, adults, they start hovering around her, crying and praying. And at that moment, I'm not exactly sure what to do. And the pastor steps up beside me and whispers to me. And he says, Brother Mills, this young lady, she's only 17 years old. She just recently found out this week that she's got several inoperable brain tumors. Wouldn't you say that's an unexpected cross? Wouldn't you say that's an unexpected cross? Here's another thing I've learned. They don't always happen to somebody else either. Sometimes it hits us. You can shout the victory on Sunday, and it seems like the devil is knocking on your door before you can get home Sunday night. You can shout the victory on Sunday and an unexpected cross has fallen in your lap on Monday. It was October of 2005. Jamil and I were heading out to revival in Atlanta, Georgia. Our younger two kids, Mikey and Leah, they were only about... Five years, four or five years old at the time. Brooke, she was only about 12 or 13. And we're all heading to Atlanta, Georgia to begin revival. We left that Saturday. We got about a few hours into the trip. And, and I'd been driving a, a while. And Jamil said, let me drive. So she gets over. In the, we're driving a van, pulling a trailer. And she doesn't even drive five minutes before she looks in the rearview mirror. And she screams out. She says, I see smoke. And I'm kind of sleepy. I don't know what's going on. I said, that's because you're driving. She says, really, I see smoke. And I stop and I go look at it and smoke is just coming out of that rear axle of the van. By this time, it's late in the evening, maybe an hour and a half at the most before it's dark. I don't want to be on the side of Interstate 20 with three small children. So... There's no service station nearby, so I call a mechanic friend back here in North Carolina. I explain the situation to him. He says, Mike, you need to get up to an exit. Drive real slow. Have them to take a closer look to it. But it sounds like your bearings uh, in that wheel is about to freeze up on you. So I get under the wheel, and I'm driving slow, trying to make it that mile up to the exit when Jamil looks in the rear axle, and she lets out 
what sounds like a Comanche Indian war cry. She says, I see fire. Fire. Is, Brother Dwayne, fire is coming out of the rear axle. I immediately pull over. And fire is just coming out back there. And Jamil is grabbing Mikey and Leah and, and, and Brooke. And they're running up the side. And, and I didn't have a, I couldn't find a fire extinguisher anywhere. I've got a lot of them now. You learn. I couldn't find it. I said, I need to beat that fire out. The only thing I could find was my younger children, Mikey and Leah. They had a Barney stuffy doll. I grabbed Brother Barney. And I run to that back axle, and I start beating that fire out. And sweat is running down the side of my face. And it's in those moments when you're going through an unexpected cross. It felt like Satan himself perched right there on my shoulder. Here you are, hundreds of miles away from home. You've given up your job at the CPA office. You've gone full-time in ministry. You've invested that equipment that's in that trailer, Brother Arbison. And by the way, that trailer now is on fire. You're going to lose it all. And it won't make a difference at all. Folks, won't he do you like that? When you're down, he'll kick you. Unexpected crosses will knock the wind out of you. I know you wanted me to preach something you could shout and jump to, but some of us have to deal with real issues in the real world, and you need a real word to hold on to. I know this preacher gives you the right word, undivided truth of the word of God. Aren't you glad God didn't leave us? Jamil remembered. She says, Mike, didn't you say... That Quentin was in revival in Georgia also. I said, yeah. So I, I called him. First miracle is he picked up the phone. And I tell him where we are. And second miracle, he says, Mike, I, I'm less than 20 minutes from there. I'll be there in 10. He says, my, my wife, Pandora, has, has driven down to my revival. So we've got two vehicles here. I'll bring the suburban and uh, I'll have a man from the church I'm at to tow your van back and fix it. God. Amen. You might have an unexpected cross. Oh, it gets gooder. Do y'all say that? It gets gooder. Brother Quentin, he pulled up in a few moments, and, and, and I guess I, I was looking all smoky and sooty. And, and you know, Brother Quentin, he's about six foot four, and I'm just under that. He gets out, and I can tell he's looking at me all sudden like he wants to laugh at me. Pastor Terry, I says, if you laugh at me from the knees down, I will wear you out. <laughs> we unhook my trailer. We crank it up, and we push it back. And we push that old van. The, the fire is out. I should have told you about the rural fire, fire truck. Daryl and Daryl didn't have any water with them. All he had was a chaw of tobacco in his mouth. And he said, everything all right? That's another story. We push the van up. Brother Quentin bags the 
suburban back there and we lower it down. And here's what's really amazing is that hitch that he had on there fit like a hand in glove. Now help me out, fellas, if it had been a quarter inch difference, it wouldn't have fit. I would have to leave it there on the side of the road. So even when you're going through your unexpected crosses, you're right there in the middle of God's hands. You've not gotten off of his GPS. You've not gotten off of his radar system. He's just searched through the crowd looking for someone who can go through that test. I could tell you time and time and time again. How unexpected crosses. I could tell you how Jamil and I were singing in Manio. She takes ill. Long story short. We weren't trying to have another baby. We find out she's in the middle of a miscarriage. Unexpected crosses. But here's the thought I want to leave with you. Brother Arbus, help me one more time, please. Now, you're Simon of Serene once again. The first thing you learned is that they took the cross from Jesus. Bible scholars contend whether it was the whole cross in place or whether it was the crossbar, the patibulum, that they attached to the stipe. And first of all, when they put it on your back, before it ever touched your back, it was on his back. So before you ever deal with it, I know what it's like. I know how heavy the weight is. I know how it can cut into the tender skin of your back because he dealt with it first. Man, that's right. So don't you think for one moment, don't you think for one moment, Brother Arbors, that what we're going through, that God doesn't know how we feel. He doesn't know about those midnight tears. He doesn't know how we feel all alone, how we feel that nobody else understands. What a mighty God he is. But here's the part right here I like. This is enough to make a deacon shout right here. Listen to me. Not only did he bear it first, glory to be to our God, hallelujah. But something happened, Brother Arbus, when they got on top of Golgotha. There came a time, come with me, come with me. When they got up there, they took that cross off of Simon's back and they put it on the ground and they nailed Jesus to it. Lay it on my back, brother. It was his hands and his feet that were pierced. It was him that was attached to the cross. So not only did he bear it first, are you ready? Uh, are you really ready? Because here's the part that can change your life if you let it. Not only did he bear it first, but he bore it last. Amen. By his stripes, we are healed. The forgiveness of our sins was upon him at the cross of Calvary. He bore it first, and he'll bear it last if we let him. So on this homecoming day, thank you, my brother. Give him a hand, would you? On this homecoming day, 12.07 p.m., somebody's saying, Brother Mills, please hurry. I smell fried chicken. Please hurry. On this homecoming day, 
I don't want to deal with folks who's putting on a front, putting on a face that you don't ever have real problems. You don't ever have real issues. I'm talking to men and women that are trying your best to live right and to please God, but still, sometimes unexpected crosses fall in your lap. You're dealing with situations you had no idea. Maybe it's of no fault of your own like Simon of Serene. Maybe God searched through the crowd and said, I can trust her with that burden. I can trust him with that burden. I can trust him with that problem because he's going to come through and still be faithful. So he bore it first. You're bearing it right now. Say it again. Give it to him. Back to him today. Brother, you blessed my heart when you gave that testimony about your son. Because, see, you let him bear that cross for you. You knew you couldn't bear it on your own. You said, I give up. And let Jesus take over. Anybody remember that old song? Give up and let Jesus take over. That's what I want today are some men and women that you're going through real life situations. The devil has tried to shake your faith with it. But you said, I'm pressing on. I'm persevering on. But I've got to give it to him. My my shoulders can't bear it. I'm putting it back in his hands. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Heavenly Father, as I come to you in the matchless name of Jesus Christ, Lord, I thank you for Pastor Terry, Sister Linda. God, I thank you for our dear friends here at Harvest Church. God, I thank you for the many years of faithful ministry, the lives, the souls that have been won to the kingdom because of this work here but Lord specifically on this day God we lift up a a sacrifice of praise to men and women that are going through unexpected crosses it might be a financial dilemma you got something in the mail and you don't know how you're going to get those ends to meet you may have gotten a doctor's diagnosis And it's thrown you for a loop. But Father, in these last few moments of this service, I pray that your Holy Spirit would minister to them. That they would put it in your hands. We ask it in Jesus' name. What you say.